The Last Time I Smoked is an independent entertainment podcast intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Do I prefer what? There are so many kids in where? India. That are not getting the smoke that's burning off. Of these the joints. Joint. Yep. What? What privilege to be able to make that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to The Last Time I Smoked. I'm your host, Landon Charles Hughes, and on today's episode, baseball. Today's guest is Tim Boise, and ending with UCB. I feel like I don't have time to act like I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel a lot of people do, and there's a lot of insecurity, sure, got that. But then you gotta work, and like, if that's part of your character, then that can't just be part of your character and your business side of life. That can't, you gotta break away from that. You gotta just go ahead and say, all right, well, what are we talking about? Visualize that and make an assumption of whether or not this is a serious enough topic in which to not be a dick, (laughs) in a sense. Yeah, not to uh, be an asshole to people. So anyways, here's the story. Padres, uh, Gay Men's Choir came out. Apparently, they were lip singing. Hey, (laughs) that deserves a boo. Sure, sure. (laughs) But a bunch of people called faggot and yelled faggot and screamed a bunch of other slurs, I'm sure. Um, It's San Diego, Petco Stadium with the San Diego Padres. A bunch of the stadium people were just faggot, faggot this, faggot, faggot that. And I would have almost not believed it, but I actually have experienced that uh, at a Nationals game versus the Padres at Petco Stadium in San Diego, California, where me and Dimitri, my fiance, behind us were these two younger dudes and they yelled faggot 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 but i kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt if they were marines <laughs> like well like, these are dirtbag marines like they're gonna you know they're not gonna advance if they keep this fucking attitude up in the service that i'm seeing grow as progressively as it has uh yeah and it was a little bit of embarrassing you know i was more embarrassed than upset for those service members uh yeah the gay men's choir got got heckled and booed off with not booed there were harsher words were used fucking faggots queers motherfuckers get out of here with your queerness and faggots so yeah fuck padres right today's guest is tim boise tim and i have been friends for uh, a little over four years now We met each other through a mutual friend and did some projects together, some short films as well. Tim now does a myriad of things. He's produced his own web series that I had the pleasure of being a part of uh, called To Be Continued, To Be Released. (laughs) Uh, He worked for The Biggest Loser, uh, which was as a trainer. Uh, He's also an actor. He's acted for me. In fact, uh, the part of that Rike plays in the short film Play was named Tim because that was originally supposed to be Tim, but I was too nervous to ask him when it time came. Um, so don't miss out on the opportunities uh, that are handed to you, I guess. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Boise. If I'm tired and I smoke, I'm going to be tired. Like If I'm having a good time and I smoke, I'm going to have a good time. It hasn't really... Indica makes me tired the moment I start smoking it. Where sativa is... like. There's no longer an effect, if that makes sense. Like, oh, as yeah. strong as an effect as, like, when I first started, like, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and but if we were to take, like, a break from it for, like, an extended period of time, say, six months, and then you hit it again, would it still be... I'll never know. Oh. <laughs> the longest I've gone is, like, three days. And all I noticed that after, like, three days, we were I was in Hawaii... I was in Kauai and I was desperately trying to find weed and I found it like on the third day. I just noticed that smoking just it, after three days, like I felt like high again, but it was like euphoric. But I think it was also because it was like You're- stress release. Like I was like, fucking finally. <laughs> yeah. It feel- but the stress relief comes from reminding me like, why do they take all that so seriously? Or whatever the situation is, yeah. n- insert issue and then be like, 
Why do they take? And then I'm, exactly, it's like fuck. Why have I been so unhappy in Hawaii for three days? <laughs> oh I yeah, love pot. This is so great. I can enjoy Hawaii now. <laughs> do you like traveling anywhere, Tim? You got weed. It it really depends. I'm nervous. We're going to New York City uh, next week. I leave on Wednesday with Dimitri for a wedding, and. I keep asking my friends, did you guys overturn it yet? I mean, is it at least medical yet? Nope, none of it. Like, No, but I feel like in Manhattan, you should be able to find a delivery guy. Pretty easy. So I was on Weed Maps, and there was a couple of trucks, but I don't know if that's like set up to come get bad visitors from California that's hanging out in New York. No, I don't think so. And I mean, if you're seeing friends, like any locals are going to know how to get pot. I mean, I think if you're in your 30s now... And you haven't ever smoked pot. You probably live in one of six states I can name right now, and you've been there your whole life. <laughs> really? You think everything's been that open? I think it's right. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, especially for our generation. I mean, we're like the generation that brought forward like tattoos into like the pop culture. Like, for you know sure. I mean? And I think that we're also the generation that's breaking down like the the pothead stigma. Um, I'm trying. We're like potheads. Like I, I think potheads is totally a thing of like the '80s that stoner server pothead thing. Because think- maybe that was the acceptable viewpoint of the time. Like nobody was going to take a credible pothead seriously. Yeah, it's exactly. Like- and now it's almost like I think most people who know me know that you'd rather have me high than sober. Period. Any day of the week. <laughs> but who says that? Your own... My own friends, my own colleagues, like my own, some of my clients, some of my like clients that I'm training are like, you're not high right now, are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. They can, I can tell you're really kicking my ass. Uh, and it's like, oh, well, you know. You train harder when you're sober. I can focus um, on the task at hand when I'm high. When I'm not high... It's like anger and anxiety sort of take over. And so you just start throwing things at people just to like make them work without any real like plan. But does, does that accomplish anything? Like what is going on in somebody's mind that says, just do this thing versus, all right, we're going to do this thing because we're going to isolate your core with this. You know what I mean? Is it easier to do that while you're high versus being sober? Is it, it might be the lack of what's going on inside my head that brings clarity. Like if when I get high, like I don't, my, my thoughts don't race. I'm, I don't, I'm not like one of those people that gets high and then like daydreams. Or like spaces out. I'm really focused. Like I can write really well when I'm stoned. I, um, of course, everybody likes watching TV more when they're high. But I think it's because you focus more. You, you, you're like you're you're into it. Yeah. You're listening. Exactly. That's um, something I learned at UCB. <laughs> and with, I mean, and with like training, I think I'm listening kinesthetically. What does that I'm mean? Listening to their body. I'm I'm watching. The muscles. I'm using one of my senses. Essentially, I'm watching the muscles move. I'm watching the body move. I'm, I'm reading the body uh, with my eyes. The way you would, you know, the way you would read uh, someone's tone and emotion through your hearing. I'm reading like their muscles' abilities while mm-hmm. it's moving and watching. And it's easier to do when I'm stoned. How long have you been training now? Uh, professionally for three years oh cool yeah wow it's been that long now it's been three years now and it's been one of the best um complimentary side jobs to the industry i think i've ever tried which is probably why i've been doing it for three years i've been going to more events and networking gigs and stuff and comedy shows while working on the house i've noticed that i started trimming down again and <laughs> and in that, I was—I noticed the confidence had risen, and I noticed that like people are take—I don't know, whatever you want to put up. No, yeah, I've noticed too. You you shed some weight, and then you feel better about yourself. Yeah, I mean that—that's—I don't think that's true for everybody. I think some people are certainly comfortable in their own skin at, at a certain weight. That's that's um, what I was getting to. Yeah, and good for them, and that's fine. I just—I mean, I know who I am, and I'm a narcissistic <laughs> asshole. Who doesn't believe that you look good without a six pack? 
I don't believe it, but I mean, perception is everything. So a if you believe pack. it, that's fine. I'm not going to try it in. No, I've, I, I mean, the last six pack I had was, it was like an O. Four. <laughs> that was, that was like Killian's you had last night. <laughs> the last six pack. Oh no! I think it's so difficult to like. It has to be part of something bigger, and that's that is the phone of work, right? Phone there. of work. Got picked up in one ring. That's professionalism. Um, but I feel like working out is like its own job. And you got to put that focus in to get that result. And all that's why, like, Reiners are so, like, heavy-haired and, like, kind of hoodied. And, yeah. like, because they are just in their own heads constantly trying to put thought to paper or thought to screen. Whereas, like, in training, it's the same theory, except it's it's motion and muscle movement and control. Yeah. Uh, but putting that kind of focus in it. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to work out. No, I mean, it, yeah, when I was... <laughs> Uh, working on The Biggest Loser, it was uh, it was an di- it was difficult to balance my a gym addiction because I think that's what it is at this point now. It's an addiction. If I don't go after a couple days, you know, if I don't uh, one day is hard to take off. I always do something in the day. If it, even if it's just a hike or a jog, I can't just not be active. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like not active for a day, like traveling, if it's you know getting on the airplane and going across the country and then getting off into a cab and then checking in you just get you don't have time the next day if i again if it's like that again i start to get stir crazy my body starts to get antsy and when your body's uncomfortable then your mind gets uncomfortable your attitude gets uncomfortable and then you start to get ornery and agitated like withdrawal it, you could i would yeah I'd call it just gym withdrawal i get agitated i get ornery and i so you're like one of those people who need a gym when you go to the uh hotel uh, I mean that's so wild to think because like yeah that would be a that was like or do you look for that or do you look for even a more equipped gym near the hotel? That's like, what I do. I've been like doing the training thing for a long time. You know, after being a collegiate athlete and then continuing on coaching and things like that. Can um, I ask what sports you played? I played soccer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I played D two soccer in North Carolina. Um, what position? Center mid. Whoa! I always play defense. I'm not going. I was actually down defensive that. center mid. So cool. System may run three, uh, four four three. So you had a stopper and a fullback, and then you had like a defensive center mid and an offensive center mid. And I played more on the defensive side. Um, so I've always been active. It, once I got into this as a good job, um, and started lifting more often. I've just noticed that I need more because I get really like specific in my training. I don't do the same thing for longer than like three weeks. That plateau theory is correct. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I every three weeks I do a different routine, and having a gym in the hotel doesn't help me because it's usually the same equipment. It's a treadmill. It's an elliptical machine. There's some cables. So you do use more machinery than rather like calisthenics. Like I always grew up like well, I didn't grow up but in the military. They taught us you know push ups, chin ups. Crunches, running, you know, that basic isometric uh, poses for things like that. I I use machines sort of towards the end of the workout when I'm tired and I can't hold proper form anymore. But more I've evolved past calisthenics to free weight training Mm -hmm. where like a push-up, I'd have to do a lot. So I get on a bench Mm -hmm. and put a lot of weight on. What, what what do you bench right now? Do you want me asking? Well, I don't mind you asking. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't max out. It was always said said in like like every time I'm around gym guys back when I was younger. I guess um, there was always the competition. It's like oh, I got to 135. Hey, I'm at 155 today. I'm pushing up. You know. You know what's different about what I do now and what I did then is I'm not working out with a group of friends anymore. So I don't feel comfortable trying to do a one rep max because i don't want to die right um <laughs> uh every once in a while i'll do a workout buddy and we'll go heavy um benching now my routine for bench right now is i'm on a 
density program, which is like five sets of five heavyweight, and I'm doing 225, five by five. Um, do so, you write your own program, or do you yeah. go off of another? I look at what other people are doing, right? And then I take things that I like, because mm-hmm. um, my my approach is is it's free weight training with like a bodybuilding sort of focus, and the bodybuilding focus is for symmetry. It's I want to be symmetrical. It's nothing to do with like wanting to get on stage and pose. It has everything to do with just having the left side as big as the right side and everything being even. So when I go to the beach, I'm muscularly equal on both sides. And also there's specialized training to get that. Yeah, kind and of also effect. proportion. Like I like I think for my shoulder size, my chest size right now, my neck is a little small. So I need to grow my traps just a little bit, just so it fills out. Um, I don't want any bigger legs or butt. It's like getting hard now to fit into pants. I do. <laughs> um, so when you isolate these muscles, is it is it for it, the desired effect is to grow? Well, who is who is saying what the measurement should be per person, or what is the what is the uh, optimal effect, you know what is the optimal presence of? Because I've seen these guys go to like those bodybuilders. I have a friend in college who's like he did the body like posing you said right where they tan him up and everything. Yeah, he's huge and that's a mature. You know what? What is that versus what you do? You know what I mean? Like, um, how long does it take to build muscle? I guess is what I'm. Trying I don't want to ask. call anybody out, but most people who are that big who look unnaturally big are unnaturally big <laughs> there aren't too many bodybuilders in, well, okay so there's two different um there's several different like bodybuilding uh programs like competition programs like i don't know the names of them right now but let's say like bodybuilding program a you're allowed to use anything you want to use to get as big as you want to get mm-hmm. i.e mr olympian they use steroids they use they use steroids, period, testosterone. They inject it. Um, and, I'm, and that's under some kind of acronym, say, you know, like IFBA. I don't know what it is. Sure. Say it's like that. Then there's another one that regulates everything and tests you. You drug test, you piss test. You can't use any illegal substances under their terms of being illegal because testosterone is not illegal. You can get it prescribed. You can do it legally, mm-hmm. however you want. But what all they're saying is that you can't use anything, and right. we're going to test you. So that's one big difference. And do you see the difference in form and, and look? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've seen, like, Mr. Olympian, like... I've never noticed. They're humongous. But if you go to any other bodybuilding competition, they're going to be probably, like, half the size, just as defined, just as vascular, just as muscular, just not as thick. Is this sort of like organic versus the other do you know what i mean is this a, an argument between like organic healthy working out and i don't say I healthy say working out because again you said you can be prescribed it yeah can be, i don't think it's, it's organic it's, i think it's the difference between like um and i don't racing mind. nascar versus racing um formula one right formula one is just they are they're it's allowed lean. to be designed <laughs> to go that fast right and you can't put a Formula One engine and you can't put a Formula One car on a NASCAR track and race with them because mm-hmm. they're different. Right. They have different rules. Right. That's what I would compare them to. This, they're two totally different events within the same sport. Like they're both bodybuilding, mm-hmm. but one of them is bodybuilding without restrictions, one of them is with restrictions. How long has bodybuilding been around now? You know, what Arnold won his last Mr. Olympian in the 70s, his first one in the 60s, and. There was, um, was it, who was the guy before him, Palumbo or something like that? Mm-hmm. Probably since the four. I don't know, a long time. Long time. I mean, professional bodybuilding, like physique bodybuilding, maybe since like the thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. So it's got history on it. Oh yeah, definitely. Is it bigger now than it ever has been? Has it also just been growing exponentially, like everything else in the world? I think everything's bigger now than it ever has been. And that's <laughs> right. Be- it's because of the internet. I mean. Or just, yeah, maybe it's not. It's just made, we made it bigger in our heads because we're constantly fed it. 
Oh yeah, no, I'm not right. No, it's, it's that, exact. Like, it's exact same size as always been. It's just being shared with more people. Right. And these days, if you look at a picture, you're counted amongst the people that shared in the experience. You can't just like say like I didn't like that and not be counted amongst the masses that clicked on it. Because I see like not bodybuilding, but like UFC, like MMA fighting. I see like that will have like peaks and, and valleys for me. Like I'll be really interested for a while if somebody has a great story, but yeah. then after that, it's like what is it again and then like it loses its sort of like pop culture zeitgeist place or something or i think it's we're americans and we like the hero <laughs> stories so we get encapsulated by the best in whatever area right they're in i mean if like we if we opened up you know the laptop and the front thing on cnn was like kid dominates sorry the board game no other way ever seen before fucking four million people are going to look at that right because <laughs> like, he's a hero for the moment but that's kind of what it is right now it's heroes for the moment it's not like longevity longevity you have celebrities you have internet celebrities do you think and we have like very few movie stars left I kind of like that. It's sort of prestige in a yeah. way. Like, I don't know. It still yeah. shows credibility. Right, like Leonardo DiCaprio is a movie star. Johnny Depp is a movie star. This is weird that you're saying this because I believe that back with, like, Beach. <laughs> like, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio right, but was I didn't, this huge movie but star. But I never thought of him as a celebrity. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. But I never thought of him as a celebrity. Like, I think the first celebrity was, like, Paris Hilton. For what? What do you mean? Like when when Paris Hilton just like came out and was all over our shit everywhere, like VH1, MTV, all over the place. She came out and she was fucking nobody. Right. She was nobody. She was just like an heiress to a hotel company. All of a sudden she's like all over our shit with our favorite rappers and singers and, and artists. Like who the fuck is this lady? And then she gets her own TV show. She, I Socialite. Think you go back. Like I think she was like the first, one of the first celebrities. <laughs> No, there were celebrities. Movie stars, that. TV stars. Right. Well, okay, would you I guess would you consider like a TV host a celebrity or a TV star? Yes, because um I guess I'm devi- defining a celebrity as somebody who Yeah, takes advantage of the entertainment industry um by not entertaining in an artistic way, but are t- entertaining in like a in a uh, voyeuristic way. Ah, in, okay. So, but Paris Hilton made she was all Paris Hilton was all about look at me and look at the shit I'm doing, right? Voyeurism. Yes, she was never like, look what I created. What are you talking about? She created uh, uh, that show with Richie, uh, with Christine. <laughs> what was that? Producers created the show. She was a puppet. But okay, puppet away. But she didn't even create the porn that made her famous. That was her that boyfriend that recorded it. But I think celebrity. She, but isn't she fine? Like she's okay. Like, she's gonna be all right. We 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 watched that happen. We, we did. We but heard we, it we play watched out. Celebrities. I'm, she's not a movie star. So celebrity is sort of a lower grade of label. Yeah, celebrities like Perez Hilton. Celebrities like. Um, it's like. Uh. I'm just trying to think like celebrities are um, people it's pop culture yeah celebrities are people who like come to do like guest hosting jobs you know what I mean mm-hmm. like Howard Stern is a celebrity I mean he's a radio star but he's also a celebrity now what about Dick Clark TV star TV star and at what movie he was star always a host TV wasn't star he? what is it he like, was a host so is he more of a celebrity I don't know. They're, but based on your definition, because he's because he's just interviewing movie stars and TV stars. He's not actually. Uh, was Johnny Carson a celebrity? I think let's say I'm going to go with that. Hosts were celebrities, so Paris Hilton would have been the first celebrity. Paris Hilton would have been like the Generation X of celebrities. <laughs> um, she was awful. She ruined like TV. How? They're bringing about the age of like smut reality. Wasn't it always smutty? Cops? Jerry Cop, Springer? You always got to forget about what 
Jerry Springer's not reality TV, is it? Is it? In the beginning. Oh my God. You remember those fights, dude? Like, that's what brought us. Before we, like, they started censoring or cutting right before the punch hit. Like, I remember only trying to watch because you wanted to see a nip slip, but I was never, like, <laughs> old enough to realize you'll never see a nip slip on that. Nah, like, I wanted to see two moms from Idaho duke it, duke out. it out. Yeah. And what was it Steve was the bodyguard that always jumped in? <laughs> yes, Steve. Um, we were living in Spain at the time when that show came out, and uh, a friend of ours had just caught back from a visit to the States, and she was t- she was the one that introduced it to us. She was like, there is this show, and people are just losing their fucking minds over it. It's <laughs> called Jerry Springer, and they are eating each other on TV, and we're like, we gotta see this. <laughs> like, So is that kind of a celebrity? Because that fits into that... Uh, yeah, I... Th- that predates Paris Hilton, though. It does, it does. Yeah, I think TV hosts are celebrities. What about the, what about like, I don't know, what about reality TV, though? I really liked their first season of the Paris and Christina Ricci. Just after working in it, uh, oh, I don't, uh, it's hard to respect the art. <laughs> right you gotta respect the work that goes into it the business that goes into it i mean there are deals being done there are you know there's creative we're moving money around yeah there's creative people doing manipulative things i don't know if you really would call it art as i did much a, as you would I call did a it show, business i did a reality show when i first got out here that aaron got me in on and I, yeah, it just felt so leading, and I was like, "This is dirt. This is dirt." And like, coming from the military, like reality TV, like <laughs> seems more like logistics. You know, it, it's all like logistics, and then and then you sort of see if the bombs drop, and if they blow up in the right place, all you can really do is like set the cameras and sort of <laughs> set the scene, and then see if the real people do the reality that you want. Dimitri and I have been like watching Survivor. I like Survivor. We love the challenges. That looks like a beast to have set up to design, plan, execute, have them play on it, have them shot playing on it. Like, yeah, that okay. Show so seems like an echelon above, like my fucking dog and pony show that I was involved with. But well, okay, yes, yeah, so something like Survivor. But okay, so tell me, do you think that the people creating the challenges are they artists? In a sense, I think so. Engineers, imagineers of a new generation of like inspired by competition. Sure. Sure. Yeah. At least that's me always trying to find like the little white light in the, you know what I mean? Well, I won't disagree with you because I mean, architects will say that they're artists and some buildings are works of art. But the the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Yeah. I mean, it's a building to me. The Broad. It's a building to me. The U.S. Bank building. <laughs> they're buildings, but I mean, at the same time, they're art. But that's what's great about art is I'm allowed to say that. Art's subjective. Do you like that most of all? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm feeding you exactly my, my theory on it all. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that it's the most subjective thing of what art is because I never have to explain right, myself. Right, like, yeah, what what is art i mean if we're saying that somebody saying that a fat person has to slide down a slide pick up a (laughs) weight and throw it into a hoop is imaginary and creative and therefore is art then uh, so is the fucking guy that comes in and throws up the drywall like that's art like he's got to put it in flush the angles have to be square like the patches have to be seamless like that's art like what you know i mean what isn't art is like taking a poop like that's not art that's a biological function at the same time though <laughs> were you like did you in, intentionally like drag your ass across a canvas after you ate like a bunch of prunes and milk intentionally to give yourself explosive diarrhea on a canvas then just pooping become art like it's fucking so it's you can't define what is art. i could find a buyer for that piece i know you could <laughs> so what is art <laughs> uh, leave me the address to pick up you have, just it, have to have put a like pact. a clear coat on it so it doesn't stink <laughs> 
Because that is smell. buyer's choice. Buyer's <laughs> choice. With or without smell. <laughs> oh, no. Leave it. Don't lacquer that masterpiece. It's a 4D. It looks flat to me. No, the fourth dimension is the smell. Um, I forget his name. There is an artist in L.A. who's currently throwing up on canvases and selling them for big money. See, that's preposterous. Why is that preposterous? If it, that's- it, what's preposterous is not that he's doing it. What's preposterous is that people are buying it as art. Hey, that's their jam. It's their it, fetish. And they, exactly, and they're allowed to have it, uh-huh. and they're allowed to do all that. But I mean, at the same time, when you're talking about art, and you're gonna put that guy in the cate- same kind of category as like artists, like, well, let's just start at the top, Michelangelo, and then this guy's gonna get to sell shit that he threw up on a canvas. Because somebody like Michelangelo, way back in the day, made art something to respect and something to cherish and something to preserve for hundreds of years. Then this guy comes along and he's like, $6,000, please. Yeah, I think that's what it's going. Hang it up next to your fucking Michelangelo. Yeah. Here's my Michelangelo, and here's my Ralph. <laughs> That's a good name for the painting. Um, uh, I think you order, I think it's on demand. I think you, you put a request in, and then he'll design. But um, That's... <laughs> do you get to at least but, pick but the colors? Who said that nobody was doing that back in the day, huh? Who said that there was somebody like living in... I think Rome, can, like throwing up on the canvas in a, like a, a a marketplace outside of the I think Colosseum. Pretty much, like surmise that if you didn't believe in God, you were burned at the stake at that time. So if you were throwing up on the right. canvas, he's possessed, and calling it art. Yeah, you were you were probably going to be killed for being crazy. Ooh, or what if like. As, like, humans, we've progressed so far, like, we've always just sort of been, like, the same percentages of, like, people. Like, every generation is like, nah, you're all going to be poor. There's going to be a handful of dark horses. They're going to make it to the top. A couple of tops are going to fall to the bottom. And then this guy's going to puke on canvas. All right, and action. Here we go. Next 100 years. I'd- Seems Write it to down. be the way it goes, doesn't it, though? <laughs> Write it down. There's only ever, like, a very few percentage of people at the top. Right. The overwhelming majority of the people are at the bottom, and the middle group is just kind of like, am I at the top? Am I at the bottom? I'm not. Nah, I'm nah, just going to keep my mouth and it's shut. Always I kind of like it. Yeah. Like, the top pretty much stays the same kind of group or bloodline or genetics. Whatever they're trying to control, it's gross. Right, and, and it stays, <laughs> and it's been that way for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But yeah, and then even like, even when somebody as prolific as like a pope comes along, if he's not in that bloodline, if he's not in that genetic of that 1% that rules the world, he's not going to stay, God help us, if a, <laughs> if a fucking Rockefeller ever becomes like the pope or something like that, if they get a dark horse... Because Do you believe in conspiracy theories? I do. I was getting ready to say I said, just because I, I just because I don't believe in God doesn't mean I don't believe in crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who has the time to control all that? Dimitri the other day said, "Oh, there's somebody probably studying the lining of a lung. Like that is their job at like the NIH or something mm-hmm. like that." And um, and I'm like. Really? Like, is there is there that many jobs and a person that like we all fit into these little like you're supposed to be where you're at? Is that like, in a sense, true? Or are we supposed to be breaking through that? Like, I, I, I don't. Know. I don't think there's any supposed to be. Right. I don't think anything is like. I, I don't believe in predestination or predetermined anything. I don't, you're supposed to be where you are. Because physics. <laughs> I mean, duh. Like, you can't be anywhere else than where you are. So, yeah, you're supposed to be where you are just because of physics. Like, that's where you are. So, you're supposed to be there. So, the add up of all of my choices throughout, throughout life add up to like this physical equation that makes me land where I'm currently at right now talking no, to you. No, no, no. 
I'm only sitting in this room right now talking to you because of the past couple of days since we planned this. It hasn't been a culmination of my whole life getting to this point. Right. A lot of things that I did are irrelevant to me even meeting you in the first place. Hearsay. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're, you're, we're talking about the butterfly effect. I, I get it. Like if I didn't take that, um, if I didn't take that test in high school one day, then I wouldn't have da 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 da, and then made it to the time we met, and then the time you asked me to come. I don't. I don't. I'm fascinated by all that now. Like just like because one, if I what in another year and a half or two there's going to be another explosion of like a five group boy comp you know compilation of young gentlemen oh yeah the next, like, the next boy band next boy in band is going to come yeah. up and then that's in the five years they're going to repeat repeat all these systems and then like a new jump in technology and like vision like that's all now how do i use that knowledge you know that it all just continues to recycle in a sense to my benefit or to the benefit of my fellow man. What could I be doing? That's where Study I'm- history. Ugh. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. That's the quote. The quote isn't history repeats itself. Right. The quote is those who do not learn from history mm-hmm. are doomed to repeat it. Well, I... I moved in with another one. <laughs> Can't change the past. Can't change the past. <laughs> Damn it! Now you're telling me nope. no, but I like I don't know. I feel like there are uh, maybe I'm just again lying. But you can to travel myself. to the future. I try to call it out. Sometimes I'm right. Like I'm not like spot on or on the nose. It's but it's getting easier. It is. I mean, yeah, because there's I mean, it's, there's patterns. Like we said earlier, it's the same one percent have been in power for a long, long time. I mean, genetically speaking, biologically speaking, they're all fucking related. And all of the presidents that I've been around for, that I've been like aware of and how they're... So for us, that's, that's Clinton, Bush, and Obama. And Bush Sr. How politically aware were you? No, not at all. So you're right. right. Well, Bush Sr. was the first time because Nickelodeon ran this like kids vote you and know it was what? Yeah. Bush against Clinton, I'll, I think. I'll, I'll give you Bush Sr. And also because... Yeah, because of Dana Carvey, like he was, he was part of our culture yeah. growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we knew Bush. Very Senior, beginning political stuff. Clinton, mm-hmm. Bush, and Obama. Uh, those are the presidents we've known. Those are the presidents we've known. Um, so yeah, let's get mom back in office. A father and a son <laughs> and two black guys. Because Clinton was the first black president. I mean, he had to be a black guy to play the sax and get blowjobs in the White House. Like every political person that I've talked to in my whole life has always said that to me. And I think the older I get, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the first black president. (laughs) Um, But joking aside, sure. So I... Listen, I want I I kind of was a little bit Republican growing up. I had to be, I felt Had to be, yeah. That was my family. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know. No! And it wasn't that I didn't... I don't know. Did I not care? It felt like at the time I was that the Republican Party more aligned with my moral values. And at the time I was like faking being Catholic so I wouldn't get kicked out of the house. <laughs> so I'd like, it was a fake Catholic and a fake Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I didn't know anything about politics. It was more about like, oh, yeah, abortion is murder. Let's be Republican. Let's yeah. do that. And I never really even believed in that. Never really believed like abortion is murder. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, murder, whatever. That's a hard word to use. Yeah, you're killing something. But um, we like we have the science to do that now. And it's always been happening. Since the dawn of time, people have been getting rid of babies inside of the womb, like unwanted children. Well, my whole theory was I thought that we were supposed to try to get away from these people putting mm. their thoughts and opinions upon us. So like we're so, like smaller government to me always meant like we were going to we were working uh, on a way to all become more self-sufficient and the less government there was uh, dictating the better we were as people because yeah. we trusted each other more. But then as like time went on I was like wow, y'all are still arguing about fucking black, white, Indian, Mexican yeah. issue, and like... Getting, getting straight in, a, in the bathroom, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, um, what? This is still happening? Oh, I'm done with you guys. I'm done. So, 
because that they all put their fucking foot in their mouth. And I, I, I feel dumb for being a Republican, uh, a younger guy because of the fact that uh, I was gay, you know, this whole time. And it's like, like I didn't change just because I told people. <laughs> but it was like, like, why would I support a group of people who constantly wanted to kill me? We didn't know. <laughs> we had no idea. We didn't know. So I mean, that's Nobody like, told us. If I would have known, <laughs> if I knew then what I know now, no. Right. How's the Modest Mouse song go? Is it our instinct to be mean? Um, Do we need laws to tell us not to be mean to each other? No, I don't think it's our instinct to be mean. I mean, it is our instinct to survive. Um, but you don't need to be mean to survive. Instinct to be mean? The only time we ever war is over, like, nowadays it's over ideals. But the ideals have a lot to do with money and territory. Wars used to be fought over, like, territory, Right, because you wanted to go somewhere where the land was plentiful and you could raise crops and yada 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 yada. But if you look at like the indigenous people of the Americas, like they were migratory, they moved around everywhere. They followed the sun, they followed the good weather. Like they rarely fought, and if they were fighting, it was usually for resources, because one group of people fucked up and didn't do something right, and usually that boiled down to bad luck, right? Natural selection. You chose to follow this dude. He took you too far north and you died. So So when did you stop being so religious? Or were you always just not religious? When did I come come out of the agnostic closet? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right before I got married. So, you know, about seven years ago. And then I kind of like... Congratulations. Faked it through... Thanks. (laughs) And I faked it through college. Um... Because I went to college in the South, so you had to like you had to believe in God to be sort of socially accepted in most areas. Wow. I knew since maybe like the first or second grade, whenever I was doing like first communion, like practicing for first communion. Wow. Like when like we would be pulled out of class to go down and like practice lining up and mm-hmm. like getting the all this shit like that. And we were given like unconsecrated hosts to eat so we could taste it for the first time and blah, 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 blah. I just remember being down there and being like, this is all a ruse. <laughs> this is a fucking game. This is not real. Like, Why did you not have the faith? What, what, was there something that happened or is just, you just, your observations of... My observations of life is, had never is, been like, yeah, God. Yeah. This no. is not anybody. No, I was, I've always been sort of like cynical of, of everything. Priests, adults. I've never, I didn't grow up respecting adults. Which is weird because I mean I respected my father immensely, but not anybody else. But I think that's because my dad is is a genius. Like he's like a government tested genius. So respected him. Everybody else was an idiot. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just re- yeah, I just remember having to fake it. It was one of those things like, well, if you don't go to church with us, you don't leave your bedroom. Your parents were really religious? Yeah. Wow. No, my dad is a deacon in Whoa. the Catholic Church. So he's all full of theology. I like to call it shit. <laughs> but it's it's guided people. No doubt. It guided my dad um, into debt. Keeping a church alive or keeping a church open? When... After 9-11 happened, he decided to retire from the military. I don't know why. Maybe he felt guilty for something. Some inside job. I don't know. Wow. But he, when he retired, he joined the diaconate program. And it's a four-year program. It's like going back to college. And like they dug into their retirement and their 401k. And now my dad is back to work as a computer programmer for Haynes. And he's going to be working until he's like 75. 
My dad's working on second retirement with civil service. I'm like, good. <laughs> like, you guys, just as long as you guys are tucked away. I mean, and they made money, too. Like, he got paid well by the government because he was a contractor. They do get paid good. Really? I mean, he made, they're doing know. very important work when it comes time to do the job. Yeah. And I, so, but I mean, like, he chose to go do the God thing instead of, like, continuing his work and then just retiring. The understanding of one's mortality is a difficult process for every individual. I, I don't think it's difficult for me. Really? I'm mortal. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. I just watched the Buffy episode where Buffy's mom passes. <laughs> Demetri and I were crying last night. It was so... Oh. But it was good. But it was like... Um, the demon, uh, Anya, she, uh, she's only been a human for so long, so nobody will tell her how to respond to like death. And the whole thing is like, there is no real good way to like, it's the only thing guaranteed in life mm. is death. Right. So use that's that as it. confidence, right? <laughs> that's it. So why fear it? Like it's gonna happen and it's going to happen in any number of ways so you can't really predict it you don't know when and you don't know how it could be really quick and painless it could be long and painful this but i've been kind of slacking the past couple of times do you think that marijuana should be legalized recreationally yeah you legalize marijuana across the board then you start to decriminalize or then you start to criminalize um alcohol you think alcohol is that bad yo way worse way worse i mean do you still drink Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I do, but like I don't, um, I don't drink the way I smoke. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, it's a whole other person. <laughs> um, but if you, if if they were like all of a sudden alcohol is illegal, I'd be like, okay. And I drink the way I smoke cigarettes. It's like social. You know what I mean? I like if, yeah. If I'm I out with a bunch of people and everybody's gonna have a drink, like yeah. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll have a drink. If I go out with a bunch of people and everybody's like water, tea, water, a Coke, water, I'll be like tea, please. I'm not. I, I have nobody else is drinking. You I don't need. You can monitor to. yours. You can monitor yourself though. You're good at that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm also self-aware, so I know when I'm getting like a buzz. I know when I'm getting tipsy. I know like when to stop. And then, and I don't. I don't like that feeling when you get to a certain point. Drinking, yeah. I just I I don't enjoy being drunk as much as I enjoy being high for sure. Right. Well, what 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 are the effects of marijuana that make you more prone to it rather than? I got like a I got like a weak stomach. Um, not like I see blood and I throw up or anything like that. I have like a I wake up and I have no appetite and I'm usually nauseous. Like, um, should you just eat then? If I eat, I usually throw it up. So I will smoke a little bit, and it levels me out and actually gives me an appetite. Mm-hmm. I can eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm allergic to opiates, so like pain pills. Codeine. Yep. So I um, can't take them for knee pain from my surgery. Oh, you had like uh, ACL replaced. Oof. Uh, my lateral meniscus removed. You are an athlete, um, <laughs> robot. <laughs> and uh, when I had the surgery and they gave me the medicine, I was back into the ER within twelve hours after the surgery. Mm-hmm. So I had an allergic reaction. I didn't know I was allergic to it. So they did a bunch of trial and error. I was allergic to just about everything, and then they found like it's the opiate family I'm allergic to. Mm-hmm. Um, so marijuana definitely helps with the pain. Keeps the knee pain in check. For sure, 100%. Um, I love lifting stoned. Um, all marijuana is a stimulant. Mm-hmm. So no matter how tired it makes you feel, it, it's your heart's still pumping like a little harder than it would if you weren't high. I tend to work a lot 
if I'm at the house, if I smoke, I get more done yep. throughout the day than rather I if just... If I feel uh, tired at the gym, like, I'll run out to the car and, like, take a bowl rip and get good and high and come back in. And it's just like, there's something new. It's like, I just I feel, like, less heavy. I feel less... Um, Weighted, I guess. I don't know. It's I enjoy working out, so. but there's a lot of people who who don't who can't do that, and I feel like there's like this hump you kind of have to get over. But it's like yes. it's years in the it's it's <laughs> the well, same thing with drinking. Oh gosh, it's that tolerance, it's that alcohol tolerance. Like if you want to be a good drunk, you need to drink every day, and you need to start slow, like one or two beers a day, until it's like three or four beers a day, until it's like five or six beers a day. But you maintain the same feeling off of that you get from one beer that you would get from 12 beers. I'm back at one beer again. Like you have to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and you, sister, one beer queers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, cheap date. Oh, yeah. You want to get in my um, pants? Give me a shot of tequila. <laughs> We're good. One shot, one shot. UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade. I just completed my 401 class, uh, which is the end of the improvisation training at the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, in Los Angeles, and I'm pretty psyched. (laughs) I feel a lot of the comedy that I've been writing lately has only improved uh, uh, a little bit more due to like the ability to be more aware of what my two characters mean in a room together and why that... Anyways, uh, kind of basic stuff you would imagine but at the same time putting it into repetition and doing it over and over it becomes more of an an easier process to just pitch funny ideas to be more off the cuff to um listen to each other more uh that's what i like Uh, it's very stand-up is very solitary uh thing and and i can get very in my head uh I started a podcast, so I'm pretty in my head a lot. <laughs> Outside of that, uh, improv is more of spur of the moment of listening and 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 trying to uh, have your your partners back and all of the group members in your um, in your herald team. Uh, it was very interesting. I learned a lot, and I um, I'm thinking of, I don't know doing more advanced study with them. But I gotta find out if I passed or anything. Cause like yeah, it's like legit too. Where they're like, uh, we don't like your kind here. <laughs> I'm kidding. They, I think I did all right there. But I I don't know if I've got it down yet. I may have to redo a 401. But uh, if not, uh, I'm gonna audition for a Herald team. I'd like to thank my guest today, Tim Boise, and the listeners for tuning in again. Music by The Losers, Gotta Keep Moving, Hippies Wearing Muzzles, Animus Pools, FM 84, Let's Talk, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, Short But Sweet. All these songs and more can be found at bandcamp.com. This has been a production of rockbottomartist.com.